0: Good morning, everyone. I hope you're all doing well. <clears throat> Back for meditation. Um, I am just returning from a weekend where I went home to Tacoma, where my parents still live. It was the 50th anniversary of the Korean Women's Association, which is an organization my mom has been deeply involved with and led uh, for the 46 of the 50 years and I had the opportunity to honor my mom and the many women who who helped um, grow this organization and I want to share just a little bit of what I what I said. Like many immigrants when I arrived here which was at the age of five I quickly set on becoming American. No more rice and seaweed in my lunchbox I begged my mom. I wanted peanut butter and jelly and I wanted Levi's and I quickly became fluent in English and in Michael Jackson and in baseball, I became a proud American. But my mother made sure that I also still felt very connected to being a proud Korean. And she did this by stuffing our fridge with jars of kimchi and insisting shoes off in the house. And most importantly, she did this by telling us stories. Korean folktales filled with talking tigers and dangerous goblins and magical gourds. Now, these folktales weren't just entertainment. Storytelling was how my mom taught and instilled Korean values Mm -hmm. of filial piety, respect for elders, worthy sacrifices. My sister and I begged for these stories every night. We really loved them. But we also thought on the inside, you know, these fairy tales, they're not exactly true. It's not just that we knew that tigers couldn't really talk. What really got us was that all the heroes in the Korean folktales seemed to be the stuff of fantasy, like the very poor woodcutter who goes on to teach the king a lesson, or the elderly beggar who has the greatest wisdom of anyone in the land. Maybe these kinds of heroes were possible in Korea, in the old country, but this didn't seem to be how our new country worked. It seemed in America, it was the wealthy person who was celebrated, the powerful person who was seen as the most wise. In America, the heroes all seemed to be young and strong and male. One day my mother told us a very famous Korean folk tale of Shim a poor motherless girl who had a blind father who was reduced to begging. She sacrificed herself so that her father could see. Now here was a girl who by all measures had almost no power in her world, and yet there was someone even more vulnerable than she was, her elderly blind father, and she found a way to help him. And for this, Shim Chung was greatly celebrated and rewarded. Again, I thought, ah, oh, nice story, but these fairy tales aren't real. Until I realized that this was the story that I was seeing unfold right before my eyes. So I'll share with you in brief my favorite Korean tale. A long time ago, 50 years exactly, a woman named Kim Nami, who had immigrated to America with her American husband, missed home and created the Korean Women's Association out of a longing to connect. The KWA grew slowly at first and my mother, Solja Warnick was among the early joiners. They met in each other's living rooms to eat Korean food, sing Korean songs and reminisce about the old country in their native tongue. But it didn't take long before this group realized they weren't there just to socialize. They had a higher calling. Now, these were some unlikely heroes. Just like Shim Chung, these women, on the face of it, didn't have much power. All of them were immigrants. They were all struggling to learn a new language. They were trying to create new communities and do this all in a foreign land, one that still gave women less respect than men. But they quickly understood that there were people who were even more vulnerable than they were women who were victims of domestic violence, elderly who were hungry, new immigrants who were even greener than they were. And the KWA felt moved to serve these needs that they saw. I remember as a young girl being dragged to KWA meetings with my mom to volunteer at the dinners for the elderly, ladling out 200 scoops of rice from the world's largest rice cookers, or being asked to unpack boxes and boxes of Korean books for the first Korean lending library in America. My mom and others would go around to Korean businesses, soliciting donations to pay for the dinners and the books. But as she described, the business owners would start to run away when they saw her coming. So my mom helped secure KWA's nonprofit status. And now KWA could be tax deductible and eligible for government funding. A major turning point for KWA came in the mid 1990s A group of regulars from the elder dinner didn't show up. And my mother and a few others went to go check in on them and were horrified to see that they were living basically in the worst part of town, crowded four to a room. This went against every fiber of their Korean values. My mother went to the Housing and Urban Development, to HUD, to see if there were any funding sources. And there were, but you had to fill out very complicated grant proposals. I remember my mom took two days off from work to attend a workshop to learn how to apply for these grants. Six months later, KWA had secured $2.2 million to build its first low-income senior housing, 24 units, eventually building more than 300 affordable housing units for the most vulnerable in the community. This little organization with a big heart just grew and grew. Now it employs over 1,600 people, Has an $80 million annual budget and is the second largest social service provider in all of Washington state. Now, when I think about what they really accomplished, this group of immigrant women, I realize sometimes fairy tales do come true. This story is a testament of the power of women, of immigrants, of lived values. And now KWA is a hero of their very own American story. So that's a little bit of what I shared um, on Saturday night with this gathering of 600 people celebrating the KWA. I thought about the fact that the stories we highlight and the stories we tell establish the values and expectations of a community. Now, Jewish folk tales also have the most unexpected heroes, Elijah in the guise of a beggar, the rabbi who dresses like a woodcutter to help others, or the little boy who doesn't know how to pray and so he plays the flute and opens up heaven's gates. They might seem like tall tales, but every story that we tell contains the aspiration for the world that we want to see. And you know, sometimes fairy tales do come true. So I ask you, what are the stories that you tell yourself and who are the heroes of your tale? We are the stories that we tell. So I invite us to just um, think about that as we go into a little bit of space and quiet. Too often we tell ourselves very negative stories. And if we think about what we're seeing in the news, it seems like we're seeing a lot of anti-heroes. But there really are a lot of great heroes out there. They're often not the people that get celebrated. So thank you for letting me indulge a little and share a little bit about my own um, hero of my mom. Uh, The mantra today is gibor, which is the Hebrew word for hero. It comes from the root for strength. And I don't think that there's a single hero out there that didn't have to persevere through something in which they needed tremendous strength to do so. And I'll invite us to just relax in our bodies a little bit. Make sure that everything feels soft and loose, unclenched. Let's take a deep breath in and release it. We'll offer our gratitude for this morning. I thank you, God, for the gift of this day. And if you want to continue with the mantra, again, it's gibor. or you might want to just notice your breath, but don't mind the time. All right. Is eh who Is halomed, who haham Hello mi gibor, hakove kavesh yitzro, ve ashir, hasameach, Who is wise, the person who learns from all people, who is strong or a hero, the person who can overcome their challenges, and who is rich, the person who is happy with what they have. I wish you all a blessed day. See you next week.